We all have a pretty good handle on the Christmas story, don't we? Probably more than any other story in the Bible. We probably could all do a pretty good job of telling the story from start to finish. But our scripture today is one that we often miss or else we simply get it all mixed up in with the other gospel stories and we don't really look at it closely. To be honest, oftentimes preachers decide to use the Isaiah Sunday this week because this is really a hard story to hear, a story of pain and sadness, of wailing. Matthew's telling is very different from Luke's story, and if you try and compare them, you might feel like one or the other is wrong. Remember that Matthew is writing to Jewish Christians, making his case for Jesus being the promised Messiah. He's not trying to convince outsiders to believe. He's speaking to those who already believe, who already follow. So it takes a different look when you're looking at Jesus' birth and early years. We should also note that Matthew's account is written with Joseph being the principal parent. Joseph names Jesus. Joseph has these dreams, four in a row, where God is speaking to him and he is protecting the Messiah. Not only is Mary barely mentioned, she never even speaks in this story. We know that Herod the Great was really cruel. Well, he was beyond cruel. William Barclay says it this way. He murdered his wife, Marianne, and her mother, Alexandra. His eldest son, Antipater, and two other sons, Alexander and Aristobulus, were assassinated by him. Augustus, the Roman emperor, has said bitterly that it's safer to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. Herod's pretty terrible. So if the Magi say that this baby is supposed to be the new king of kings, of course Herod's going to find a way to get rid of him. He's going to find a way to kill this baby. If that means he needs to destroy all the baby boys under the age of two to make sure that he gets them all, he'll do it. He was that horrible. There are many scholars who believe that this story is just that, a story that Matthew made up. Because it isn't mentioned in the other Gospels. But Herod was mean, and he was mean enough that he could do something exactly like this. The lectionary does have things kind of mixed up. We don't know how long Joseph and Mary and Jesus are in any of the places that are described. Matthew doesn't share a timeline. We celebrate Epiphany when the, the Magi arrive at the manger. We celebrated 11 days after Christmas, but we don't know how long it should be. But we do know that they leave for Egypt after the Magi arrive. 
So whoever wrote the lectionary got this a little mixed up that we're talking about it today, but that's okay. It's important to note in these two chapters of Matthew that Jesus is already moving on a world stage. He has already entered this world as a main figure, not just a little baby in a manger that no one knows about. The Magi have traveled great distances to find this child. Herod, a man of great power, fears this child and is willing to go to great measures to make sure this child does not become king. And Joseph moves Jesus from town to town to protect him because of his importance to the world. Jesus was and continued to be a threat to Herod's type of people. People who are hard and cruel always see Jesus as their natural enemy. I find it interesting in today's world, however, that there are many who use the name of Christ in an attempt to achieve power. They attempt to be leaders on a world stage claiming Christ as a part of their life, but they forget to live as Christ taught us to live. If you look at Herod compared to Jesus, you see that Herod was a hard and a mean and an unforgiving man. And you see that Jesus is merciful and forgiving. You see that Herod was jealous and had many people who served under him. Jesus was self-emptying and given to serving others. Herod wanted more and more and more, and Jesus gave and gave and gave. Herod excluded people who were different, and Jesus included everyone. Herod lived and dealt in the present. Jesus kept eternity as his view. Herod considered himself as a god, while Jesus was the very nature of God. Herod wanted people to be committed and loyal to him, and Jesus wants our commitment to be to God. When we look at the two in comparison, it should be obvious when we look at people who claim to be followers of Christ, who seek power in the name of God, and yet seek things not of Christ. Yet we're so often drawn in to those who live more like Herod than Jesus. Those who find their own power to be their goal. As we go back to the story in today's scripture, we recognize a lot of weight is put on Joseph's shoulder. We can look at the scripture and think, wow, Joseph saved Jesus' life so many times. 
And it may seem that way. But the beauty of this story is that God saved Jesus' life. It was Joseph who listened to God and did what God asked him to do. When we look at who God chose to be the parents of Jesus, we so often look at Mary and her nature and her sweetness and her willingness to do what God asked her to do, her purity. But when we look at Joseph, we can see his obedience. His obedience is what made him the person to be Jesus' earthly father. He was willing to follow through with what God asked him to do, willing to pick up and move over and over if necessary to protect this child, not this child of his own DNA, but this child sent from God. That's pretty amazing. I don't know a lot about carpenters in Joseph's time, but I'm guessing what part of what would make them the most successful is their reputation. And picking up and moving couldn't have been easy for a carpenter. He would have to go to a new town and start all over again. But Joseph didn't argue with God. Joseph said, I'll get up and I'll go. I think it's important for us to also recognize that Matthew saw the big picture. God sent Jesus to save the world and nothing or no one could stop that. Not Herod, not Pilate, not the Pharisees, not Judas, not anyone on earth here today. The name of Jesus reigns today as King of Kings. The world still gathers to celebrate his birth. Even people who don't come to church any other day of the year come to church on Christmas because Jesus is King of Kings. We live in a time where it seems like God and Jesus are losing their followers. It seems like people are choosing themselves and power and comfort and time and money. And it may be true that followers of Jesus are not as vocal as they once were. It may be true that Christians don't find it as important to be in community with one another as they used to. I'm not sure I know the answer. But I think part of it falls on each one of us. Are we willing, as Joseph was, to follow through on what God asks of us? Do we take the time to listen for God to speak to us? Do we take the time to seek ways to live our lives like Christ? Are we merciful and forgiving? Do we serve others? Do we give of ourselves? Are we inclusive? Do we keep our eyes set towards eternity? Are we loyal? and committed to Christ. As we begin this new year, there is much work to be done. 
We need to spread the word that Jesus is still the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And we can do that by standing on the corner and passing out flyers. Or we can live our lives in such a way that people see Christ is King. We can live our lives in a way that people will want to know what makes us different. Maybe 2020 will be the year that we see Christ's love and mercy spread throughout Austin and Texas and the United States and the world. As we live our lives as committed, loyal followers of Christ. Amen.